this, this past week, we finished the book of Deuteronomy in our Mission 119 readings. So for those of you that have stuck with it since um, January 2018, uh, we are finishing up our Bible readings this week. It's our last week of Bible readings in Mission 119. It was a vision God gave to me. Actually, when I was in Bosnia, I was in Germany on a mission trip, and it was a vision God gave me to lead our church through reading through the Bible together. Because knowing and, and obeying, applying the Word of God is what determines success as a believer. So knowing what's in the Word is so important. That's why we, that's why we spend so much time in it. So almost two years ago, we started this journey together, and it's ending this coming Friday. And Deuteronomy was our final book that we read as a church. Uh, and now it's just a few psalms that we haven't gotten to yet. And so it's a, it's a very exciting accomplishment for all of you that are in the middle of it. Uh, they're behind. Don't be discouraged. Just keep going. It's a great, whenever you finish it, it's going to be great. But finishing up in Deuteronomy, chapter 34, it's the story of the death of Moses. Sounds like a really upbeat sermon topic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, just, I wanted to preface this sermon saying, the, the connections that I have made with, with this text and with the surrounding texts, you know, I've, I've these, these insights I really gleaned from Rob Reimer, who, is, who did our Holy Spirit Weekend a couple years ago. Uh, just amazing connections, and he's, a, he's an amazing teacher who has such an amazing relationship with Christ. And, uh, and so a lot of these insights I gleaned from him and uh, are not my own. I guess most things that we learn are from somebody else. But I thought I'd just share that because some of these connections I made just through him. This is the death of Moses. It says, Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the Negev, and the whole region from the valley of Jericho the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him. Catch that. God buried him. He buried him in Moab. In the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days, until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom, because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all his officials, to the whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or perform the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Moses 
was a man who had a relationship with God like no other. When Moses died, God buried him because God was his friend. I saw a YouTube video recently of a funeral in a, I'm not, I don't remember what country it was, but this is how it used to be done back in the day before death became curated and creepy, like it is in our culture. But when, when the deceased loved one died, they're laid out and they're buried that day by their friends, by their family. And never before has there ever been a man like Moses. And the text says, whom the Lord knew face to face who did all those miraculous signs and wonders. Never before that we know of has anyone ever been personally buried by God. I want you to know this morning there is more with God if you want it. There is a, there is a better relationship with God than you currently possess. Moses did not start his ministry in his life and his work as a man who knew God face to face, as a man knows his friend. Moses started his life by murdering a dude and burying that guy in the desert, hiding the evidence. So God, at the beginning of Moses' relationship with God, his life, he's murdering a guy and burying him. At the end of his life, God's burying him as a friend. Faith is a developmental thing in our lives. It's not an all-or-nothing venture where you become a Christian and then everything's pretty much set. It's developmental. It develops over time. And if you read the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy, particularly, you get to see this life of Moses from a variety of angles. And you get to see uh, how he walked with God and what his struggles were looked like. So he went from murder to, for many, many years, keeping a low profile as like a farmer. And that was when God met Moses in the burning bush. And Moses was, he was, he was obviously terrified. In this burning bush, God's voice came to him and, and gave him the mission that we are reading about the end of here in Deuteronomy 34. God gave him the mission to represent him before Pharaoh and to uh, get God's people out of slavery in Egypt, where they'd been for 400 years, and deliver them into the Promised Land, which is right where Moses is now um, looking. You saw those different directions and places God showed him on top of that mountain. He was showing him, this is what we've been working on, Moses. This is what we've been working on. This is the fruit, and you're not going to get there Physically. But this is what we've been working on. So Moses went from this, tr- this murderer who was hiding uh, the evidence to becoming a fugitive when people found out that he had done this to being fearful and terrified uh, in God's presence but then to, uh, and, and to reject God's call in his life several times saying, I'm not the person for the job. I'm not the person for the job. Send someone else. He begged God not to use him in this way. And uh, God patiently worked with him through all of that. And he led the people 
He was the one who went to the top of the mountain and received the law from the hand of God. God's hand-carved tablets. He went up to that mountain that's talked about in Hebrews. A mountain that was covered in smoke and fire to darkness and gloom and storm to a trumpet blast and a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches this mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying to Moses that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Now this is Hebrews reflecting on Moses' relationship with God, timidly going up that mountain, getting those commandments from God, bringing them down, only to find God's people had created a, an idol and were worshiping it in Moses' absence too. To have to go back up to that mountain and get a second set of tablets because of the stiff-neckedness, the stubbornness of the people. By the time Moses got to the end of his life, God took him up the mountain, showed him the fruit of all of his labor, and there he died just as God said he would. And then God, Moses' friend, buried him by hand, and it was said of Moses that no prophet has ever lived who is like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. I don't know what to do with what this passage makes me feel. I obviously feel a lot about it. You can tell. I just want to know the Lord. And I, I, uh, what I see in this passage is that it's possible to start your journey with God from anywhere. Moses started his journey with God by murdering a dude and hiding the evidence. <laughs> and, uh, and he ended his journey being buried by hand by the God who had walked with him through all of his missteps, through all of his timidness. And then it was said of him, no one has risen up like him, anyone like him who the Lord knew face to face. This week, I met with a new friend who I'm trying to cultivate a friendship with. And he told me a story about his life, which he shares very freely with other people. But, you know, he was in ministry for a long time. And then he was out of ministry for several years after that. And... um when he got out of the ministry, he was at a point where he just needed to get out of it. It wasn't for moral failure or anything like that. It was just very busy. And his family needed his attention, so he got a, a, a different job. And when he got out of ministry, he went to his father, who was a very godly man, which is really awesome. That, that, that's a good part of the story. His father was a godly man. Very cool advantage they had there. And he said to his father, you know, I'm not sure what I'm going to do next. You know, it was ministry right after college. Went from college to ministry for many years. And his dad says, well, you have to pray about it. And he goes, oh, I've prayed about it. And his dad said, no, you haven't. <laughs> kind of like um, a Jedi master, right? The Yoda kind of, I, I, when he told me that story, it sounded like you hear Yoda's voice saying, pray, you haven't, <laughs> you know? But kind of that, that like, no, you haven't. And he, and he knew right what his dad meant. You have not actually, you haven't gotten to that, that spot yet. 
And so there's a fire lit in his belly. And he, he said, you know, I just need to, I need to figure out a way to seek the Lord. And so he began this process where he'd work, then he'd get home, he'd spend an, an hour with the Lord. He, put, he made a YouTube playlist on his computer. He ran that playlist, and he, and he said that he just did it for this amount of time. That turned into coming home from work, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek the Lord until I feel his presence come, you know, his more manifested presence come into the room with me. And so, you know, he, he asked God, give me an awareness of your presence. Raise my awareness. You know, I know that you're everywhere, but let me, let me feel you. So he started doing that. So he started worshiping, and he'd worship until God came through, broke through, and he just felt God's presence. He'd read, read the word, uh, worship, and his wife was very happy with this, even though it took some time, because she could see what an amazing thing God was doing in his life, and she appreciated, you know, that God was meeting with him in such a powerful way. It got to the point where on his breaks, his, his lunch breaks from work, he couldn't wait to get to the lunch break so he could get in the car and listen to worship music and talk, talk to God. Um, it was a season of his life. And it, w- it went on for several years uh, before he um, ended up getting back into the ministry at a different church. And he said to me, people... I'm a completely different person than I was when I was in ministry before. When I was in ministry before, I loved God, I prayed to God, I saw after God, but on some level I just didn't know him like I know him now. He said, I'm, I'm just a different person than I was a few years ago. And the insight that he gleaned from all of this experience is, number one, God fully accepts us as we are. This is something people get twisted. But like God, God does literally accept you as you are right now. It's an amazing thing about God. And there are churches where they will say that to you, and then the next breath is, so just kind of glory in how wonderful you are. God loves you. You're beloved. And so just, just love yourself and become, become yourself more, if that's possible. So they take, there's this truth. God accepts us just as we are, and it gets twisted into, so just stay the same as you are. You're great. Um, but the, the, the second truth that really helps us to understand uh, what God is up to, yes, God fully accepts us as we are, and now God wants us to change. He does. And it's not because he will not love us until we change. It's because he loves us so much that he wants us to, to change. It's, out of, it's all out of love. So God fully accepts us as we are. God wants us to change. He wants us to be different a week from now than we are today, a month from now, certainly a year from now, that we'd be different, that we'd be transformed into the image of God. Faith is developmental. And for those who want it, who want this relationship with God, anyone could have this because God accepts everyone right where they're at. But then God wants to change us. So, I can't think of much worse than, than murder. There are certain more, all kinds of heinous things people do to each other out there. But God's big example to us of this man that knew God face to face was a guy that started his life and his relationship with God killing somebody and ended up being someone who 
whose life and devotion to, to God was never replicated. He went from being a murderer to someone who God knew face to face. I was looking through pictures because Jackie and I celebrated our 11th anniversary on Friday, which is very exciting. Yeah. But uh, I, did, uh, I did a romantic thing, which is cool, I guess, you know. And I just, uh, I printed out a picture of us from every year that we've known each other, one snapshot from October of that year. So every October since we got married. Um, there were three pictures for 2008 because those are our wedding pictures. How do you choose? I just picked my three favorites. One of them's on my Facebook right now. 2015, I chose three pictures because I was skinny. <laughs> <laughs> I was... I was running half marathons. Who cut in? You know? That's a question I ask myself. Who cut in? So I I had three pictures from 2008, three from 2015. Uh, But just another one picture for every year, including this, this month. And, you know, we've had a lot of fun and not fun experiences over the years. You know, we, we've, um, Traveled to Bosnia, like I said, together on a, on a mission trip. Uh, we've walked around the big cities of the United States, New York City, Boston, Philadelphia, and uh, the painful beaches of Maine in, uh, in East Booth Bay, and the horrible state of Florida. I'm sorry. I'm sick of people from Florida talking about how great Florida is on Facebook. I'm just going to get them back. We don't care that it's warm sometimes. It's a horrible state, okay? Um, no. I'm just trying to rile things up. I don't really feel that way. <laughs> so we've had a lot of cool experiences. Uh, we've sat in the hospital together, you know, when we've been sick. Um, we've, we've been there and had, had babies. I was sitting and hanging out, and she was having babies. It's a lot of experience, you know. We've had some, some pretty funny ones. We've had some pretty, pretty sad ones, losing people in our lives and getting through grief together, getting through what seems to be prayers answered in a way that we didn't hope they would be answered. And I love a good conversation with Jackie, if I can get, get her you know, in a car driving just to talk or to sit down with a cup of coffee. I love spending time with her. We have all these great experiences, but... You know, with four kids, with the busyness of life and ministry, and we're homeschooling one of our kids now. Uh, sometimes, at the end of the day, we just we just sit next to. Actually, it's every day. We sit on the couch and watch a show, and that's that's great. Sometimes we'll go. We'll be able to go for a walk together. You know, we'll have someone watch the kids, and my mother's been kind to do that every once in a while. And uh, we'll go just go for a walk and hold hands and walk downtown. Early in our relationship, we'd sit down to a dinner, and I'd be like, we're not talking about anything. We're not talking. I want to be talking. I'm just all about connecting and talking. Now, what's wrong with this relationship? But now, after, after 11 years of being married, 13 years together as a couple, you know, we, we sat over our anniversary lunch yesterday, and I can't remember us talking about too much. We just sat in each other's presence and enjoyed a good meal. And it didn't feel empty because we have all this shared life together. And I think that when you have that kind of history with somebody, that you can have an experience like that. 
which is why people should try to, you know, to get through the hard times in marriage. And this is the same way it is in our relationship with God. The same way that it was for Moses. The end of his life when he was a man that knew God face to face was the fruit of a lot of experiences with God. You know, he had his greatest hits. He had wandering in the desert with grumbling people, going to God. They're begging for water. They're begging for food. God provides it. They don't like the food. They want to go back to Egypt. He had to go between those people all the time and deal with all their crap, the people, the people of God, as they complained about everything God did as he was leading them by the hand. Um, he, had a, he had a moment where he got mad and he struck a rock with his staff to, get, to make water appear. Uh, it was a miracle that God did, but something about that action prevented Moses from being able to enter the promised land. He was kept, he wasn't able to finish, finish and move into the land. It was probably a lot of things that had happened in his relationship with God. But that was a bad moment. I'm sure he reg- regretted that, striking the rock. He, he, had all, he had the experience of the burning bush early on. Well, that's something. But all of those experiences ended with him being this man who knew God face to face. He was someone who, who loved God who thought back on his relationship with God um, with, with all these different experiences. And all of that worked together to make him a man who knew God like no other person I'd ever known him before. And I just, I just think there's something about a deep knowledge of God, of who, the God's love and who he is, that myself and you, at some point in your relationship with Christ, you should be able to sit with God who is everywhere. He's omnipresent, and he dwells within you by his Holy Spirit, according to Scripture. We should be able to sit alone with him in silence and just enjoy the Lord's presence. And these days, you know, I had some cool experiences with God in my life. You know, I came to Christ in a church service like this, uh, just down the road. Um, I started a Christian fellowship at my college, and uh, it became the biggest campus club there was, and I had never read the Bible before, so I was leading studies through books I'd never read, you know? I'd never read, like, through the Bible, right? I'd, so I'd never read this book, but here we're going to study it together. That's a pretty cool experience. Um, I, I was a, a chaplain at my, at my, my college later on, and uh, a worship leader. I've had, I've had moments where, a couple of moments that stick out. One, when I, around the time when I first came to Christ, when I was asking him to fill me with his spirit, and I had an experience I cannot explain to you where the love of God washed in and through me, and it changed my perception of life. It came after a lot of seeking after him. And that was a really cool experience. One time I had another experience with God where I was listening to an audio book, and, and I had some worship on, and I was on my way back from a commute, and I got so overcome with the presence of the Holy Spirit that I had to pull over the side of the road because I was weeping. Now, I've had some really cool experiences with God where I've asked him, say something to me, guide me, show me, you know, what to do, what job to get, you know, who to marry, those kind of things you ask when you're a college-age person. Asking him, asking him for, to give me input, lots and lots of input. And, you know, um, these days, these days, I just really need, I just really need to be with the Holy Spirit. 
I have all these experiences, all these reminders that God loves me and that he's with me. And at this point, I really just want to sit in a room like this with the worship team playing and just let the love of God wash it in through me. That's what I want. A few weeks ago, I had, had a depressing day. I didn't even feel like leaving the house. Um, but Jackie pushed me to leave the house because we were, we were going to a, to a worship service. And I just sat in silence, and the worship team played over. And just over an hour, more than an hour, sitting with that music playing and just seeking, seeking after God, but kind of just passively, like, letting the words wash over me, letting the feeling of the Holy Spirit is doing wash over me. And um, I, I left that place different. I left that place not so depressed that I didn't want to, you know, leave the house like I, like I felt earlier. I left that place like I had a cup of cold water after a long run, you know? It was, it was awesome. And, it was, and there was like someone speaking, there was prophetic words and people sharing sermons. And those sermons were great, but that was not what was awesome about that service. It was sitting in the presence of God. And that's really what I want, you know? I want to stand on what God says in his word, to believe the truth of who he is, and sit in this place with God where I know I'm fully accepted just as I am, and God lovingly wants to change me and develop me. Not to bring me back to the glory days of my Christian faith where I had all these seeming successes and had all this free time to do whatever the heck I wanted in college, um, to sit through endless Bible studies and sermons and, and books. Life's different now. And God wants me to think back on those experiences and take hold of this season where I'm seeking, as people have said, his face, not his hands, not for what he can give me, but because I want to be where he is. I want to be where God is. I want to know the power of the resurrection in my life. I want to experience him. I want to be changed. And I want that for you guys too. I do. So God is present everywhere. Where can we flee from his presence? The psalmist says. Even if we go to shale, the place of death, even there he is. So that's a worst case scenario. God's even there. In the, in the valley of the shadow of death, God is there. God is always with us. When we're acting like a saint or acting like a sinner, God is with us. He's everywhere. Sometimes God will manifest his presence. Elijah on Mount Carmel, the fire came from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. Obviously Moses spending time with God on the mountain, those are manifestations. When Moses spent time in God's presence on the mountain, his face started to glow in a really creepy way because he'd been with the Lord and he had to cover his face. He had to cover his face because it was such a terrifying sight to the people around him. And that was just spending time with God in the presence of God while God wrote what God wanted to write on God's tablets and then said, carry this down there for me. Moses was not dictating to him what to write. God, he was just in God's presence. He did what God said. And he came down, his face was glowing and people were afraid to come near him. So... He had to have other people talk to the people on his behalf because of how creeped out they were by this phenomenon. It says 
in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, which you'd miss out on the meaning of this if you didn't think back on the Moses story. It says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate, reflect, behold as in a mirror, right? Behold face to face. And we with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, and we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. They didn't have the Holy Spirit back then, the followers of God, like we do. We've been, we've been given the Holy Spirit of God within us. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we don't have to veil our faces like they did. We can behold the face of God. And by the glory of God and spending time with him, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We have this presence internally, continually, as followers of Jesus. And God's invitation is, anyone who's thirsty, come get a drink. That's what God says in John 7. And within them will flow streams of living water, welling up to everlasting life. So this morning is a pretty simple application as the worship band comes to just play a song over us, maybe you should sit and let the band play the song over you. It's the two points that come from my conversation with my friend. God accepts you just as you are. He really does. He doesn't hate yourself like you hate yourself. And God wants to change you completely, make you a different type of person next week, next month, a year from now, because God loves you. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You need to know this morning that you can go from being a murderer who hides the evidence to a woman or man or child who knows God face to face over a lifetime. That's available to each of us. What an epitaph on his, on, on his grave, you know. The man who knew the Lord face to face. As a man knows his friend, Heavenly Father, it is for freedom you have set us free. Help us to stand firm then and not be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Help us to see who cut in. And I pray that you would release us, God, to seek after your, your face with abandon because we do love you. We love your presence. We love all of your qualities. We love, we love to feel loved, and that's something we fundamentally need to feel inside of us, and you love us. And you have said in your word that you will pour out your love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that you've given us. So God, we come to you just as we are. Change us.